uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Ash Williams, the hero who saved Elk Grove from evil. For 30 long years, I've used this saw on monsters and demons. But those battles are won. So now I use it to... Slash prices! Ashy Slashy's Hardware Store Emporium, we got you covered! You want paint? We shake it till we break it! What's better than a handful of my nuts? <laughs> a long screw. Um. Whoa! <laughs> we got wood. We got rope. We got rubber. We got it all! Die, high prices! <laughs> Goodbye, high prices! For that special summon, we brought everything from D to Ildo. Because at Ashy Slashy's, service is literally not our middle name! <laughs> Perfection and only 22 takes. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're going to be visiting our friend Ash and the Evil Dead films. Uh, we'll touch on the TV show for a bit and maybe some other surprises. So straight away, let's kick it over to uh, myself and uh, <laughs> <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Hey, after 50-some-odd episodes, I figure I could go ahead and have the intro. Um, I went ahead and, uh, well, all of us obviously saw the film. Now, I, I remember uh, walking, like, over a mile. to the, They used to have these things called video stores, kids. And you'd go in and rent these things called cassette tapes, video cassette tapes, VHS. Anyway. It's uh, my like in Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. It was um, it wasn't a blockbuster. It was a local place, but I remember going in there, and it was rated R, and we were probably like fifteen, and and the guy was giving us a hard time, and we're like, no, no, you know, our mom's in the car, whatever. So he rents us the film, <laughs> and it really scared the bejesus out of me. Um, you know, I'm a sound person. The the music, the certain tones, certain voices really um, enhances a film or a TV show for me. And the beginning of the film with that, like, kind of, what is it, a growl, like, and, and the camera, you know, building up speed, going into the ground, you know, just above the ground and then jumping into whoever the victim is later on in the film, it, it set the mood for me. Now, you know, I watched it recently, Karen and I were talking. Uh, Karen is not a fan of gore, and I'll let Karen get into that uh, later. To me, the gore was cartoonish almost just because it's – some films like John Carpenter's thing age very well. Um, this film, it's still interesting. It's still you know spooky, but the, the effects did not age very well, and – We'll discuss this later. I think it really translated into the TV show, the overabundance of blood that was splatted on 
the actors during any given scene with with the evil uh, the evil dead creatures. Um, but anyway, there, there's a lot of things, you know, finding the Necromicon, opening it, playing the tapes, res, you know, not resurrecting, but uh, awakening that evil, that ancient evil. It, it was very gory for for its time uh, and scary to me. I really, you know, I don't think we slept with the lights on that night, but um, it kind of stuck with me, you know. And I think it still resounds today. Uh, the second film to me, and, and we'll get into that later, is, is pretty much almost the same as the first film. But um, I give props to Raimi and uh, crew for, uh, for coming up with a very good, scary movie that, that kind of changed along its um, different incarnations. Uh, what do you guys think? I know, I know, Karen. We were talking about this before the recording. You, you recently saw the first film again. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw that film like you. I think I rented it maybe in college. Mm. Yeah, we used to go out and rent a lot of stuff, and and yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the gore and all that. So, um, I think the things that struck me, just like you uh, at the time, Ramey's. Um, use of unusual camera angles or, the, or mm-hmm. camera movements. And you even see that in later things like Spider-Man, the sort of like uh, right. the rapid cuts and movements of the camera and stuff um, was really unique. And the sound, the sound editing and everything, the sounds were really uh, unusual and creepy and stuff. Um, you know, all that stuff. Plus the, you know, the, the storyline with the finding the, uh, the recorder and the, the the book of the dead and all that you know it was it was an interesting story where he lost me it was like the last 20 minutes with all that and, and admittedly it was like it was like okay i can see this is just like really lame like makeup that they did that you know you could tell it was all really fake but you know i just have a low tolerance for that stuff so i was just kind of like looking sideways at it and stuff i, I just have zero like tolerance but um yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean about, like, yeah, it, but they had no budget. I mean, they were doing the best they could. Well, exactly. The budget they had. And, and it was interesting because I was reading, um, doing a little reading for for the, the podcast. And, the, you know, one of the things that really helped them along was, I guess, Stephen King was a big fan. He saw the movie somewhere and uh, thought it was just, like, phenomenal. And so he really promoted it. And, of course, this was back... You know, in his hey, I mean, not that he's not huge now, but you know, his heyday of you know the '80s and everything, and he promoted the heck out of it too. Right, and, um, and it's interesting you say that because Stephen King—that's when Christine was coming out in Pet Cemetery. And, yeah, you know, all right. Books. So he was kind of right. He was kind of a badass in Hollywood mm-hmm. at the time. Um, I, the other thing I think too is Evil Dead for me. You know, with the Halloweens and the Christines, and and that was. The gore. I mean, there there have been gory films before from the more so the seventies, I think, but this was really like a different kind of movie than we'd seen up to that point. Yeah, it, I guess it probably had a lot of. Um, it combined the, the action and gore and suspense in a way that maybe people hadn't seen before. And uh, even though it had a lot of female characters who got killed off, you had. Ash is sort of, I, well, I guess in later in the later movies he really evolved into more of an action hero. In this, he yeah. was kind of victimized, but he did he did wind up kind of fighting back. Um, and right. it's funny that we can talk about the evolution of of the series from straight up kind of horror into comedy because mm-hmm. I mean it basically I didn't think the first movie really had much comedy at at all. No. Um, and then it goes into almost a Three Stooges kind of level of comedy <laughs> with the eye pokes and all the other stuff. I, the one thing I just kept thinking about, though, watching it was how much it reminded me of Equinox. I know we talked about this offline, right. um, which was a really super, super low budget movie that a lot of people probably have never seen. But the whole thing with the that kids going to a cabin, going out in the woods finding, you know, a book and then, you know, supernatural uh, entities show up. 
I mean, the thing that's, I, I think, Equinox was made, I have to look at my notes, 1970, and like people, fairly well-known people like Dennis Murin were involved and Jim Danvers. Mm-hmm. So you had all the stop motion creatures in that as opposed to their, I think later on in Evil Dead, we get stop motion, but not in the first one. But, you know, uh, Sam Raimi has said, I guess, that he hadn't seen Equinox before he did Evil Dead. Um, So, you know, it's just a a coincidence of ideas. But uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just interesting to me that they they were kind of shared concept that. And I would say if, if any of the listeners haven't seen Equinox, find it, watch it. (laughs) <laughs> um, in and of itself, it's an interesting movie. Anyway, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll I, I think it's on. I think it's on YouTube, so you mm. can you can check it out. It's it's a trip because I think they they started filming at one point and they had to stop, and then they came back like three or four years later or something and yeah. started filming. It's like you can tell there's breaks. Um, Definitely. But yeah, but. Well, our chief engineer has not spoken. I, and I, wanted I to know. I was waiting Bob. for a time to jump in, but you guys had, were on a roll, so you know, I just kind of <laughs> kicked back us, for a uh, bit. Drill for gold. Yeah. Bob, uh, where, where and when did you see the film? And by the way, happy belated birthday, Chief. Uh, well, yes, happy birthday. Thank you. My sequestered birthday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not able to go anywhere. Um, yeah, well, I, I no, I mean, the three of us, Bob, you're the one who probably saw it at the drive-in. I did. Well, I was, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> it came go. out in 81, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah so 80, I was, 81. I was yeah. <clears throat> 21 at the time. So yeah, I was <laughs> old enough to go out and do things and see movies. But, um, yeah, you were talking about the low budget and Equinox and all that. And, uh, yeah, you have to remember that basically evil dead was like an independent film mm-hmm. it didn't have a big budget um in fact before that it's basically bruce campbell and sam raimi grew up together making like super eight movies mm. and uh they wanted to get they didn't want to go back to their day jobs i think raimi was like working for his dad and you know whatever and so they wanted to get into movies so they made a movie or they tried to make a movie called within the woods and what that was was uh they decided horror was the way to go if you're going to do a independent film and get a lot of word of mouth and things horror was probably the genre and they didn't they weren't really into horror they were more more into comedies like three stooges so they ended up, you know, spending a summer at the drive-in, you know, watching whatever B- horror B-movies they could find. And so that was sort of their uh, their inspiration. And they shot this Within the Woods for like $1,600 on Super 8 film. And uh, they, would li- they basically wanted to use it as sort of a trailer to interest backers in giving their money to d- make a real movie. But... Uh, one theater owner kind of picked it up, agreed to show it along with their weekly showing of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Huh. And, uh, but in order to do that, he's not going to show a Super 8 movie, right? Yeah. So they had to blow it up from Super 8 to 35. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and they, they felt it looks pretty good. It looks passable. But, you know, obviously when it hit the big screen, it was pretty grainy and hard to make out but it was enough to you know interest the local folk and uh he was also able to again use it to shop it around but his he basically wanted to borrow like 150 160,000 in order to make Evil Dead and he, he was able to get about 90,000 when he started the film so this was like I mean, that kind of budget back when you were making, like, I was a teenage werewolf or whatever in the 50s, yeah, it was a passable budget. But in 1981, well, they actually started shooting, I think, in 77, 78. That's not a whole lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's basically, what are you going to do with it? So they did the best they could. And uh, 
when they got enough money and they got and they made Evil Dead, they shopped that around, and they actually hooked up with Irvin Shapiro. I don't know if that name is familiar, but Irvin Shapiro was the distributor of Night of the Living Dead. Oh. Mm. So a very important name actually in the world of horror if you think about it. <laughs> but he picked up on uh, Evil Dead and he actually distributed the film. He was also one of the founders of the Cannes Film Festival. So he was able to get Raimi a screening of the film not in competition in the non-competitive category of Evil Dead mm-hmm. at, Can- at the Cannes Film Festival. And that's where it was eventually picked up by New Line Cinema. Now, New Line, you know, New Line wasn't exactly Universal or Paramount or Warner Brothers, but, I mean, think about movies New Line was responsible for, right? They did, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street films and a lot of things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they were well-versed in the horror genre and they were able to get the film into release. And then... As Karen mentioned, you know, Stephen King saw it and then word of mouth and, you know, Ramey, before New Line picked it up, Ramey was going to do the William Castle route and just like have a print (laughs) in his trunk and drive it around to theaters and show it, you know. They had one, I think in his hometown, they did a preview screening or premiere screening and he had like a couple ambulances parked out front and things, you know, going (laughs) going the whole William Castle route. But, uh, yeah, once New Line got it, then it got more, quote, legitimate release. And, uh, and then, like I say, was it was Evil Dead 2 that Dino started picking up? Or, wasn't it, or was that not until Army of Darkness? I think it was 2 that, yeah. that got the interest going. And, and so that was Dino, and so that would have been New World, because I think that was his, his thing. But that's also why... In Evil Dead 2, it's a sequel, but it's not really a sequel. Because they kind of ignore Evil Dead because that was over at New Line, and now they're at New World. So they had to reshoot all the, quote, recaps at the beginning of the movie. That also explains why the hell Ash went right back to that cabin again after all the events in the first film. Yeah, you know, I didn't get around to watching... um the second film, this go round, but I remember it almost mirroring the first film, and I couldn't figure out why Ash would go back to you know he, because at the end of the Evil Dead, that that creeping death that you know floats into him or something, right? It it, it succumbs. He he's overtaken. At least that's the that's the visual that I remember at the end of the evil dead. So then the evil dead two opens up and it's like, Hey honey, let's go on vacation. I know the great cabin out in the woods. And you're kind of like, well, okay, well maybe the first film happened in an alternate universe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I say, you know, they, because they couldn't get the rights to the clips to even make the recap at the beginning and they had to reshoot everything. I think they just kind of figured, well, let's just, start from scratch you know we got much bigger budgets now and a bigger distributor and yeah let's go let's go back to that cabin i know i'd I'd read some stuff where um they wanted to jump right into what became army of darkness with evil dead 2 they wanted to do the whole time travel thing in the next movie but people were saying oh no people you know they might not have seen the first one or they, oh, we want to do more of the same. We want to, you know, this is what people liked. So we need to do, you know, more of this kind of stuff. And so I think also they didn't necessarily have the, maybe the budget they thought they needed or whatever. But yeah, they they wound up basically repeating themselves. Although they did set up at the end of Evil Dead 2 to, right. to go right into Army of Darkness. But, but yeah, it's kind of weird because you look at it and it's like only instead of it being, you know, five people, I think it was just him and his girlfriend in the second one. And uh, but but it's yeah, it's just, you know, well, the, yeah, there's the him and his girlfriend. But then the other two couples show up. OK. And then comedy ensues. <laughs> there's def- there definitely more comedy in that second in Evil Dead 2 than there was in uh, 
than the first one. And again, the effects were much better as well. Right. You know, all, all things considered. In fact, uh, one of the guys who worked on it was Greg Nicotero, mm. who's oh. now the you know cool. head honcho over there in in the Walking Dead world. But right. uh, yeah, he was part of the effects group that worked on both Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, that kind of ratcheted it up. Even though that was like very early in his career, but he was also working on things like Return of the Living Dead and things like that. So. Yeah, he has, yeah, he has some special effects chops under his uh, under his belt. Yeah, it, it you know to be fair, it wasn't an exact copy of the first film. I know it, you know Ash gets possessed once or twice, and then the possession goes from his overall body to his hand. He you know he has to cut off the hand, then he battles his hand. And um, how did it end though, Bob? I don't remember how. Oh, it ended with the right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it ended uh, like leading right into. Because there was a big vortex. The army and of darkness. And he you yeah, know, gets in sucked into ages. that, and that basically drops him into, was it the year 1301? Mm-hmm. Something, yeah. And at the Middle end, ages. He's, he's standing on top of his car going, no! <laughs> <laughs> and then that leads right into Army of Darkness, which was obviously, you know, the best of the three. At least I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it... The thing about Army of Darkness, I think why, like for me, I, I enjoy it more because, I guess, one, the comedy, and two, the fantasy element, right? Because it's set in a, a medieval time, so you've got, you know, knights in armor running around, and uh, you get, the for the comedy, you know, Ash is that typical fish-out-of-water thing, where, you know, he's the odd man out but then he's exerting his uh, technical technological superiority over everybody <laughs> you know this is my boomstick and and all that stuff there's so many great lines out of that movie too that are you know so quotable and and everything and there of course the montage sequence where he makes his mechanical hand um, yeah is a lot of fun well you have so, to think like you know if you went back to that time period you know, look at the advantage you have, you know, <laughs> even saying, look at the bird and then hitting someone. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> stupid tricks like that, that we take for granted. It's like totally new. They, you could fool everybody back then. What's that on your totally. shirt? Bing. <laughs> but. It was interesting to me too, because, you know, he, he goes through the vortex and then, you know, they're going to throw him in that pit with that creature and, there was still an element of gore, although I think after that scene, it kind of toned down. He fights the army of the dead and he fights the little ashes and the, you know, thing like that. But they, to me, it was much more, um, I don't know if they had PG-13 ratings back then, but it, it was considerably toned down from the first and, and the second film. Well, you got to think, like, Army or uh, Evil Dead 2 was kind of Romero. Yeah. And then Army of Darkness was kind of Harryhausen. Yeah. Cuz they're fine. in fact, if you watch some of the the extras on the Army of uh, Army of Darkness disc, Nicotero even talks about the fact that if you look at the skulls of the skeletons, they had the exaggerated brows and things like the Harryhausen skeletons. Mm. Cuz the skulls yeah. in Harryhausen, you know, he he does the exaggerated brow, so it looks like they're, you know, frowning or, you know, making an mm-hmm. evil, you know, glance or something. And so they did the same thing, you know, being conscious of Jason the Argonauts and the whole, you know, Harryhausen thing. That was sort of their homage to him. And, and really, you know, each of those skeletons all had, even though it's a big horde, they each had their own kind of personality the way they were dressed up or the way that their, you know, their faces were made or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of thought went into that movie. And I think, you know, I think it definitely shows. I think, like I said, I think the third movie is, is the best of the three. Well, that's oh, yeah. really, you see where Ash's pers- personality the most, right? And, I mean, I only saw a few episodes of the TV series, but it seemed like it's totally a carryover from that third film oh yeah the way he acts and everything right you know and and that's that's what's most fun about it is he's kind of a 
an idiot, but he doesn't, he doesn't think he's an idiot, you know, he's, and he manages to succeed most of the time, even though he, he makes some major screw ups. Like when he goes to get the, the Necronomicon, he's got to say the phrase, right. You know, Clay Tuberata Nicto, right? And he, but he can't remember the last word, so he's like, Clay Tuberata Nicto. But you said the words, right? You said the words, yeah, mostly. Yeah, I got that. I got your words. I know your words. And he, but yeah, I I think the thing is, the key is Bruce Campbell is a a charismatic enough actor, a a likable enough guy that even though he is kind of ashes a screw up, you uh, you want him to succeed and you enjoy watching him, but you don't mind that every once in a while he gets his butt kicked. It's fun, you know. It's fun yeah. to watch him. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's like a bungler, but you know, one way or another, he pretty much gets things done at the end. Yeah. Right, and we talk a lot about Sam Raimi and and his direction and and things like that, but Bruce Campbell really did bring Ash to life, and, and you know, the movies as well, and. In the first film, he he really was in love with his girlfriend. There's that little, um, what is it, a charm or a oh, necklace right. that, you yeah. know, and and he's very sentimental and, and remorseful that, you know, basically has to chop her up into a thousand pieces and bury her and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But there are those moments. And so he changes through the films to the ash that we know and love, especially going into the, the TV show. The, uh, you know, beer drinking, womanizing, you know, uh, fear nothing uh, going forward. Uh, what's his favorite catchphrase, Bob? What was that? W- what's Ash's favorite catchphrase you were saying before we started taping? Oh, groovy. <laughs> <laughs> no, something about screw heads. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that was, yeah, that was Army of Darkness. Listen up, you primitive screw heads. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he, he went from this, like, sweet boyfriend to you know this like killer of the evil um persona uh and you know and we we're not going to really be able to touch on briscoe county but that was a very successful uh um character and show outside of the evil dead universe so the guy and, and if you've ever seen him at a convention he's extremely charismatic he'll carry his own panel um just with q and a's with the audience oh god i saw him in monster palooza and we uh you know, we had gotten in early through a friend. And uh, <laughs> so we were like maybe third in line to get an autograph from Campbell. And uh, he is like totally charming. You know, we walk in there and he's, you know, hey, champ, how you doing? What's going on? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and it, it's not like, <laughs> okay, I'll sign your thing and here, take off, you know. And uh, in fact, we had Mike from Antiques on the show, right? showing off his mecha creech and one of my favorite stories from him he got in there after we did and you know he's getting his autograph from bruce campbell he says oh let me show you what i made and he pulls out his mecha creech now you know people who who heard the interview with him know that his mecha creech has that detachable penis right Appendage, yes. <laughs> Attachment. I figure Webster said penis a few times in one episode, so we can do it. <laughs> so anyway, it has a de- detachable appendage. And uh, he did not have it at- detached at the time. So the first thing Bruce Campbell says when he sees it, he points and goes, I see a penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, he was, he was great, you know. And so, yeah, I, I didn't catch his panel. It was like, after we had to leave but no he was great in fact he uh showed up for an, a, a screening of the evil dead i don't know if it was evil dead 2 or what what was one of the three films in santa cruz at the del mar theater and oh, wow he just you know this was probably like 15 years ago or something and uh from what i heard yeah i had a couple friends who were there so he was great, you know, just getting up on stage and talking about the movie and, you know, carrying on the whole thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he just has that personality where he can just turn it on at any moment. I assume yeah. he's not like that 24 hours a day, but then again, maybe he is. <laughs> you know. One never knows. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, he, you know, like I say, they, they were big fans of comedy. So I think 
once they got to Evil Dead 2 and especially Army of Darkness they didn't have to do the strict horror to sell the film they were able to insert their Three Stooges brand of comedy and uh, especially like in uh, was it Army of Darkness where he's there and the skeleton hands and they're like trying to poke his eyes and he's putting his hand up and blocking them and and the whole Three Stooges routine it's like you know, and I'm thinking he wanted to do Army of Darkness as the second film. He just wasn't able to end the first film in a way that it would segue into Army of Darkness. And whatever the discussion was with Stephen King and Dino De Laurentiis and whoever, you know, the second film had to be made. And like Bob was saying, you know, who owned the rights to the film? And they couldn't reuse footage and they had to shoot new footage and all that. But by the time they got to the third film, it was a well-oiled machine. Um, the effects, the story, the acting, the directing. Um, it, it's interesting to me, that being said, that there was never an Evil Dead 4. There you were know, a lot of talks think. about it. A lot of talks. A lot of and, and they In had fact, a, a reboot of, of the yeah. Evil Dead film. Well, the idea behind the reboot was it was supposed to be Evil Dead... And then they'd do like an Evil Dead 4 with Ash. Mm-hmm. And then they'd make a movie that would combine Mia from Evil Dead and Ash from The Evil Dead into mm-hmm. one movie. But after the reboot, they ended up a couple years later going into the Stars series. Yeah, Ash versus Evil Dead. Right. So they never got to do that which would you know be, it would have been the big segue to Evil Dead 4 in fact uh, I think it was it was either New Line or, or New World one of them uh, wanted to do Ash versus Freddy versus Jason <laughs> and Sam Raimi said uh, no you know I don't know uh, if either of you guys I for whatever reason because I liked Army of Darkness I guess so much years ago I picked up the director's cut and uh, I noticed that the ending is different than the theatrical version. Yeah, the alternate ending is actually on the Blu-ray that I have. Okay. As one of the so, extras. Yeah, so the, the director's cut ending is that he goes in the cave, he accidentally drinks too much of the potion, and then when he comes out, he wakes up, and it's too far in the future and it's a dystopian future and he sees it's this like matte painting of all the this ruined city and uh, he's like freaking out like no so he screams and yeah but I, I actually think it was the right decision i guess the studio didn't like that version and uh, they went with the one the theatrical version where he's in the s mart and he's blowing up the deadites and stuff which i actually think is a better ending um than what Ramey wanted to do with the well it sort of one. showed that yeah this is why I'm back you know but, yeah but yeah it's interesting because that alternative ending to Army of Darkness is kind of like the ending of the TV show because he ends up well, in the future there as well uh, right before we get to the ending of the TV show let's kind of get into the TV show well actually we should we should get into the, the reboot a little bit because that came before the TV show. The re- that's right. My, my memory isn't what it used to be. We were talking about well, the, the reboot. The reboot was like 2013 the and then yeah. the TV show debuted on Halloween of 2015. Yeah, yeah. And then the, you were saying that the plan was to have an Ash movie after the reboot and then mixed it. So yeah. so in, in, in looking at the, the uh, reboot, you said 2013, Bob? Yeah. Uh, what do you remember of that film, Bob? Well, I mean, Ash, obviously, spoiler alert, is in the <laughs> post-credit scene where mm-hmm. he just, like, they play, like, the tape from Evil Dead 2. And then he comes, his face pops on, and he just says, groovy, and looks in the camera. But there's little bits of Ash throughout the whole movie as well. Because his, his old rusted car is parked outside the cabin mm-hmm. and they find the chainsaw which is used quite a bit towards the end of the film oh, and yeah. the sawed off shotgun is there so, so 
Who's the protagonist of the the reboot then? If he if it's not him. Well, you know the interesting thing is there's this girl named Mia, who's a drug addict, and they're trying to they take her out to this cabin to kind of detox her okay. and get her you know get her to wean herself off the drugs. So you know the Necronomicon comes into play, and she ends up being the one that's like possessed and she's locked down in the basement and she's basically you know through the whole thing she's stabbing people and biting people and doing all this but towards the end her boyfriend actually exercises her and she becomes like the Ash character she finds the shotgun she gets the the uh chainsaw and she's fighting against you know the dead and all that so it actually there's that whole kind of transformation later in the film she basically becomes the ash character at the end okay which is why they were going to team her and ash up after like an evil dead four or whatever they were going to call it but um but yeah i mean it, it obviously does not have the comedic tones of Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness. It doesn't directly uh, reference the films other than the fact that the Necronomicon is, you know, the main element in there. Um, and then those little, those little pieces of ash throughout the film. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I think if it stood on its own as a horror film, it's actually pretty good. But if you're going into it expecting an Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness type movie, it's not. But the, element, right. the elements are there, though. To you know, And I don't know if they thought... I don't know why they took all, all the comedy out of it. Because this thing is, like, dead serious through the whole movie. Okay. There's not, like, a bit yeah. of comedy in it. Like the so first I don't know who's... Like the first, the original, right? Yeah, but I don't know whose decision that was. Now... Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert, who were responsible for the first three movies, they were all executive producers and consultants on this film. But like I say, it's definitely, they took it ahead as a straightforward horror film. And I think it might have been more popular if they had included the comedic elements in it. Right. Because that's what people expect now. Right. I I would hazard a guess, and we'll probably never know, but much the same as Venom wound up in Spider-Man 3, there was no comedy in the reboot of Evil Dead. Uh, You know, whoever's financing it, whoever the, you know, executive or whatever, um, probably had a huge amount to do with that. I I can't imagine Raimi saying, okay, we're just going to do a straight, you know, Horror, no, no, uh, no, giving the fans what they expect or want. I don't know. That's just me. Well, I think the you know the director and the producer of the new film, it was their movie, and they had you know Tappert and Ramey and Campbell as quote executive producers, consultants, mm-hmm. to basically just kind of put their stamp on it, put their names Use in their the credits. Name. You know, yeah, yeah. Kind of like when the Beach Boys used to like drag Brian Wilson out in his drunken stupor. <laughs> and put uh-huh. him behind a piano on stage just so they could say, hey, it's Brian Wilson, the guy who wrote all these songs. We're, but, we're legitimate. Yeah. So these guys just kind of, yeah, I think these guys just kind of used Ramey, Tappert, and Campbell in kind of the same way. Mm. You know, like, hey, look, the guys who wrote the original stuff and made the original films, they're working on this one too. So, you know. You got me thinking about the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beach Boys. Two girls for, I like baseball. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's Jan and Dean, man. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's That's so sweet, Jan and Dean. Come on, get it it right. And Bob got pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I will say, later on, Brian went and did his solo stuff, and he was great. Everything was good. He was like Once back. He and everything was yeah. Once but he got away from, who was it? Dr. Gene or what was the Eugene guy's name? Landon? that was? Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to do music podcasts, people. That's, right. That's all we're going to focus on on Planet 8. Is we're going to do the well, evil Beach rock. Boys. That would be like Mike Love and his band, right? 
you never know where we're gonna go. All right, anyway, sure. so back to the Evil Dead. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. So I think we flogged the dead horse that is the 2013 reboot. So we could probably <laughs> go on to the TV show now. Um, you know, I was elated to find out back in 2015 that we actually had stars as one of our channels on cable because God knows we have like 500 channels and, and, you know, one of the channels is probably earthworms um, (laughs) (laughs) in your garden, Uh, 500 channels. And there's maybe like 10 that we can watch. Um, But anyway, this was a, a lot of fun. Um, Ash versus the Evil Dead. It was a Halloween of 2015, you say, Bob? Yeah, premiered in Halloween oh, of 2015. And just remember. like a week before it premiered, they already announced that the second season was coming. Oh, wow. All right. And then when the second season hit in 2016, they announced the third season. <laughs> then when the third season hit, they announced it was canceled. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so much for that. I thought Stars was very cool to bring back the Evil Dead and Ash, and then very uncool to cancel it after three seasons. Well, you know, this is why I refused to watch um, Swamp Thing, I, and I canceled my DC <laughs> membership. Oh, you finally got uh, rid of that, did you? Yeah, I you know they 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 announced it's a great series and and I was looking for something from the DC universe that was on the level of like Daredevil over at Netflix, and it seemed like that was going to be the show. And then they, not even halfway through, they're like, ah, we're canceling it. So even if it was, they didn't even show the last couple episodes, right? What's that? They didn't even show the last couple episodes, right? Yeah, something screwy. Like I, I, like I said, I didn't even. I watched the first episode and I was like, "Screw it." So just ne- on principle. I never got. Su- I never it. got sucked into the DC channel, but I did pick up Swamp Thing on Blu-ray, and mm. all the episodes are there, even the last two or whatever. So I'm about halfway yeah. through it. But uh, and I do have all three seasons of Ash on Blu-ray, so at least those are out. Is know, it a box set, Bob, or do you have like no? They were individual each. seasons. Oh, okay. I mean, each I season's only what, like that. ten or twelve episodes, something like that. Yeah, and they're like all of a half hour uh, long. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the half hour format. Like I said, when we were talking about Mandalorian, you know, and things like that, it's like, you know, half hour is good. Just boom, boom, boom. Get to the point. Get do your thing. Get out. Don't pad you it know, into an hour. Some people, Red Dwarf, I think, is a half hour also, the episodes. And then some people like Sherlock on the BBC with uh, Cumberbatch, uh, where it goes like, what, two hours a, two hours an episode, but there's only like three episodes in the season. I, I don't know. I, well, what's, the, what's the one on uh, Netflix, yeah. like Castlevania or something? And they're like 10 or 15 minute episodes. And yeah. Well, that was the idea with. Quibby, right? I don't think that's done so well. So, but yeah, I, th- I think it boils down to the story. You know, can, can you tell a good story in whatever your allotted amount of time is? And well, like anyway, I, say, I, th- I think a half hour, especially with Ash versus Evil Dead, that was perfect. Yes. Yeah. I, I was going to say the, these episodes. Uh, half hour was a good good uh, amount of time. Uh, you know, you had a good five, ten minutes of, of deadite guts and brains and blood getting sprayed around. Uh, well, I thought, you know, it was it was a great kickoff because he had uh, meets his, you know, he's got his old lady neighbor next door and he wants her mm-hmm. to, you know. He's in his trailer. Yeah, watch the trailer for me or whatever. And she turns out to be a deadite. Mm-hmm. And then that kicks his memory that, oh, yeah, he was like stoned with a prostitute and she loved poetry. <laughs> so he decided to read to her from the Necronomicon. And boom, right. it's all coming back again. So, yeah, and I will say, uh, the series takes place like 25 or 30 years it's like, after. Yeah, it's 35 years after uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's been he's been Ash for a good long time. Uh, but that, that was very funny that he remembers like reading the Necromicon to his date. <laughs> Jeez. And, you know, even in that first episode, too, is you've got the, he's working in the S-Mart again. Yeah. And he's like, <clears throat> he's in the warehouse and there's all those little dolls in the packages. 
and one of them comes to life and is biting him in the nose and everything and he's trying to and it's actually Pablo that comes to his rescue Pablo, Pablo. yeah hey Hefe Hefe, yeah um, <laughs> no, but I, thought, right. I thought both Pablo and Kelly became great characters as the series went on oh yeah, yeah, yeah I course, agree Pablo was like possessed off and on through the series but you know mm-hmm. Kelly was just a regular quote mortal but she was kicking butt by the time the series was you know in its second third season right which was kind of a counterbalance to ash because ash was just an well it will say mortal but some of his uh actions were questionable <laughs> well that's the thing it's like they 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 would always rely on ash but it was really kind of kelly that you know kind of held the yeah. thing together and because Josh would always go off on his own, you know, and try to do this and that, right. and, you know. But, uh, yeah, but I chaotic thought, really. neutral. I yeah. thought the uh, <laughs> and Lucy Lawless too was in there as uh, mm-hmm. as Ruby. Interesting that they uh, had that uh, connection, you know, that Ramy worked with Tappert, and they did the Hercules show and the Xena show, and they yeah. would bring those same people in you know evil dead because uh bruce campbell was, i know he was on xena i don't know if he was on hercules and then whatever other shows they did they would you know bring those actors back well there, yeah there was all that kind of cross-pollination effect right bruce campbell had cameos in like all three of sam raimi's spider-man movies exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh well, and they filmed the series out in New Zealand. I, I would imagine, you know, a lot of the crew that worked on those Hercules and Xena uh, shows were probably behind the scenes on on uh, Ash and the Evil Dead. That's true. But I thought the most inspired casting of all in the TV show had to be Lee Majors is Ash's father. Yes. That was so perfect. I mean, you know, I heard he was going to be Ash's father. I thought, oh, well, that's kind of cool. But then when I saw it, that was Brock just Williams. perfect, man. Yeah. <laughs> Brock. I mean, come on. Yeah, that was just brilliant. Um, it was, like I said, it was a good show. I, I you know, I'm. They have that competition where they're ride, trying to ride the bull. His yeah. dad, like, kicks his ass on that. I think three seasons was good for this, though. And I, I really like how it ended bob had kind of um brought that uh brought that up before and i I will say too if you guys listening haven't seen um ash versus the evil dead i i do yourself a favor and go ahead and uh i don't know if it's streaming or or you know available on youtube or whatever but check it out it is it is available on dvd and blu-ray um Mm, there you go which leads me to believe that it's probably on Amazon Prime or Netflix or one of those, but so many. Actually, it yeah, it is. I don't know if it's on Shutter or Amazon because I was watching some episodes the other day. Now um, they ha- there has been a lot of talk recently about another Evil Dead movie, and uh, basically, Bruce Campbell has already said he has retired from playing Ash after the TV hmm. show, and so. Of course, the actors who played Pablo and Kelly keep saying, oh, I think we can talk him into another, you know, movie or another season or whatever. Because, of course, what are they doing these days, you know? But, uh, but Bruce Campbell... Well, I think it was very smart of him to say, you know, I've had a good run. Um, I'll I'll close it. Because they ended the show on the cliffhanger, right? That post-apocalyptic ending you were talking about, Bob, with the uh, the movie. Yeah. You know, and in him jumping into the heavily modified Delta 88, <laughs> he'd, he'd be smart to say, I'm done with the character and them coming and saying, look, we'll throw double, triple what we would normally throw your way. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he's basically younger. right now saying, you know, well, they will, there will be an Evil Dead 4 or whatever the new one's going to no. be. It just won't be him, you know. I mean, if you think about it, really, even though he's such a big part of it, as long as you have a Necronomicon, you've got an Evil Dead. Anybody right, can find and read from the Necronomicon. 
it just depends on who you uh who you cast and if they have yeah. the personality to and the ego to pull it off i'm i'm in the camp that says you can't have it without bruce campbell i mean true at the end of the series he goes to uh to say uh you know you're the jefe now you know okay so that could be true but i don't know i i guess we'll we'll find out one way or the other if Pablo's going to be the jefe or if uh bruce comes back to the to All the now, evil dead universe you know where the necronomicon originally came from though right hell no hp lovecraft <laughs> It was oh. a bunch of H.P. Lovecraft books, and Raimi was interested in that whole thing, and he picked it up from there and put it in his movies. Hmm. But yeah, it's H.P. Lovecraft that originally came up with the Necronomicon. That the, makes sense. The Book of the Dead. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, in researching this, looking around the internet, and I, unfortunately, I don't have the webpage here in front of me, but they're doing a... Um, prop replica of the Necromicon. It actually had pages in it for like 80 bucks. And I'm like, who the hell would want to buy that? And read it out loud? I mean, for the love of God. Well, there was a, uh, there was a DVD of uh, Army of Darkness, which came in a Necronomicon case, which had the face and the... I remember that. Yeah, it looked like the Necronomicon. You know, I, I you know if you uh, if you uh, could own a, fe- a Zuni fetish doll, you could own a Necronomicon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. It, it looked really, really good. So if if I find it, um, I'll give it to Karen, and we can throw that on the blog uh, spot. Oh, but just the picture, yeah. I don't need those things actually in my house. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a wimp. It, it, well, I, can, I can put it down in the in the monster basement throw it somewhere um it is that time in our show unless you guys have anything else to share with regards to ash and or the evil dead i'd say if you haven't seen it movies or tv show go and watch the whole thing i mean it's only three movies it's only three seasons and each season's only like 10 or 12 half hour episodes it's not a big investment of your time so so you're saying don't bother with the reboot bob uh, that's optional. That's kind of like oh. the bonus, you know, <laughs> the bonus feature. There you go. If you've watched it all and you just can't get enough, then maybe jump into that one. But You know, and I will say I haven't visited any of the comic books. I know that there's been Evil Dead comic been in video books. games as well. Yeah, I haven't checked out the Broadway musical, if there is such a thing. <laughs> uh, there is, actually. There's a, I don't oh. know if it's Broadway, <laughs> but there is a musical version of uh, The Evil Dead. I love it. <laughs> And what about you, Karen? What what kind of recommendation can you give listeners for the Evil Dead? Uh, <laughs> give, me, give me some sugar, baby. Uh, <laughs> Groovy. Groovy. Cool. Okay, well, uh, this episode, Sensor Sweep, goes to Chief Engineer Bob. Uh, you know, Bob has uh, Bay Area film events, and he has a... Uh, you know, several uh, film festivals that he has throughout the year with his Bay Area film events. Um, we're waiting to hear what happens with Godzilla Fest. But, Bob, go ahead and take it away. Well, we're waiting to see what happens with Godzilla Fest as well. It's currently scheduled for August, but as we all know, mm-hmm. this whole coronavirus thing, COVID-19, is putting a crimp in everything. So, you know, what's it going to be like couple months from now you know are we, get, are we all going to be out partying and wanting to watch Godzilla movies or are we all going to be sheltered in place in our homes wanting to watch Godzilla movies right. so that is the question we're hoping but you know we may have to push it off a month or two or you know see what happens but but at the beginning of this whole coronavirus thing we were getting ready for our an amazing weekend whole weekend of anime films and that had to be canceled in fact, the mayor of San Francisco shut us down two days before the show. <laughs> so, um, you know, as a concession, I've decided to do a couple sensor sweeps on the artists who normally display their wares at our shows and, and sell their, their paintings and pictures and sketches and, and lithographs and what have you. So first idea. up, this episode 
I'm going to talk about Nick Shev, who you can find at nickshev.bigcartel.com. I'm sure we'll have that in the in the show notes. But it's N-I-C-K-S-H-E-V dot bigcartel.com. And uh, obviously, you know, our shows, you know, he, he shows a lot of Godzilla art. And there's tons of Godzilla art on his, uh, on his Chev art shop. But uh, he also has art from, like, Aliens and The Mummy. And um, I'm just kind of looking through it now. Uh, Cemetery Zombie. He's got, like, a lot of original art. Uh, he's got some really cool original Halloween art that uh, I keep meaning to grab from him over the years. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a, he's got a very unique style full color in fact he's dabbling in uh black light art mm. so he'll actually he'll do these lithographs of like i have one of godzilla and he gets the lithographs painted and then he goes back printed sorry then he goes back and hand draws with luminous marker certain details like on the one i have it's all godzilla's spines so when you put the black light on it, his his spines light up. That's cool. Mm. And it looks yeah, really cool. Is. Again, these are very limited because it's not like, oh, I'll print out a bunch of lithographs and sell them. It's like, oh, I'll print out a bunch of lithographs, and then I'll go back and hand draw all this stuff on them. So, uh, but they're very cool. He also does uh, lenticular uh, stickers. So uh, those are really cool. I bought a set of Godzilla ones off him at the last show. And uh, so, yeah, and he's uh, supposedly working on a Godzilla tattoo for me, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. That's got, that got a little delayed, so we're going with Ultraman on the leg in the meantime while he's uh, plat- plotting and planning this uh, Godzilla tattoo. But uh, great guy. Again, go to his website, nickshev.bigcartel.com. And just browse through his art. I'm sure there's something on there that's going to catch your eye. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much, Chief. And, yeah, if you guys get a chance, check it out. All right, any last words? Otherwise, we're going to close this episode out. Just be smart, folks. Be as smart. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Groovy. Well said. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Yeah. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! It's a 12 gauge double barreled Remington. S Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right, shop smart. Shop S-Mart. You got that? Now I swear, the next one of you primates even touches me. Now, Let's talk about how I get back home.
Hail to the king, baby.